Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Happy Monday. Glad you're with us. It's January 18th, 2021, and the District of Columbia has turned into the District of Afghanistan. I mean, the evidence all around us. Look at this. Uh, this is D.C. We do our show just blocks from the National Mall. It's Lockdown City. The federal government preparing for a possible attack somewhere here in this city, all part of a crazy, unusual, weird inauguration week because... Not sure if you've heard, but Joe Biden's going to be sworn in as the 46th president on Wednesday. And if you turn on CNN, they seem really happy about how he's going to be president. So I guess we should all be uh, over the moon, right? <laughs> Oikovolt. Uh, and a question we will discuss today on the big show as well. If Trump was the hashtag not my president among liberals, then will MAGA Nation see Joe Biden as the asterisk president? In other words, he's president, but dot, dot, dot. How can the country unify under President Biden? What does Uncle Joe need to do to make it happen? We'll discuss all of that. But now to our newsmaker today. Joining me, U.S. Congressman Louis Gohmert from the great state of Texas. Uh, Congressman, always great to see you. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, David. Well, Congressman, let me start with this. Is Joe Biden the legitimate president? How do you see Joe Biden when he takes office on Wednesday? Well, he will be a legitimate president because he has been certified the electoral votes were certified by the vice president, and uh, so uh, he will be. Now, there's fraud involved, and I don't care what Republican or Democrat says there wasn't. They're just uh, either lying or they're just blissfully ignorant, but there was a dramatic amount of fraud. And if we are not busy trying to fix things legally, and that means in the states, the states are going to have to do it. The local government is uh, suspect. You've got major cities, even in Texas, where uh, there was fraud. Those things are going to have to be cleaned up for the future. But in the meantime, there will be suffering, as we saw under prior Democrats. When you declare war on fossil fuel, when there's not a legitimate uh, alternative, then you are declaring war on the lower middle class and the poor in the country. You know, it's a it's it's a problem. It's just unfortunate when you're wealthy and you have to pay more for fuel. But it's absolutely devastating to your life when you're poor, lower working middle class. And this is this is where Biden is going on the first day. David, I just picked up uh, or dropped off some cleaning and. Sweet lady there said, I'm just so depressed. You know, uh, I know the economy is going to go to blazes. Energy prices are going to go up. Gasoline cripples me. And he said, and my daughter's got a good business, but she will not be able to hire anybody and pay $15 an hour. She'll have to go out of business. 
tough times ahead. Well, and Congressman Gohmert, I've got to I've got to tell you, we've known each other for years. Uh, you are one of the the most vibrant, energetic guys out there. Uh, I want to ask you a Dr. Phil question because I I sense as you come on the program today that. Uh, there's a little less pep right now in your step, frustrated, maybe saddened. Uh, talk to me uh, from a Dr. Phil standpoint, if you will, about what's going on with you as, as all of this has taken a toll. You've been under a lot of criticism as, as well out there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm putting on the best face I can. Yeah. But it is, we're, we're headed for difficult times, and I am grieving for my country. Uh, Look, just look at the uh, censorship. Now, the bill filed against me first uh, to censure me. Well, that's all about censor. It's all, all about trying to defeat conservatives. Uh, and, you know, the Democrats are the most uh, uh, culpable of the kind of things they accuse Republicans of. Anytime you see Republicans accused of something, you know the Democrats have been doing it. And that's what's happening here. And the the censorship of the big tech, the high tech, and the Democrats coming in to add to that, uh, it's, it's really depressing. But uh, there are so many rights that we've had in the past, First Amendment rights, that uh, we were told they were going away only for addressing COVID. But it looks like many of our lost rights uh, may be more permanent. So yeah. it's yeah. just depressing. From a Dr. Phil standpoint, um, you know, there's nothing mentally uh, defective here. Uh, it's not defective when you uh, really do have things to grieve about and you really are not paranoid. There are just a lot of people out to get you. For sure. So, for, for sure. so that's for where sure. we are. But I grieve for my country. I grieve even for the, the people that voted Democrat that do not realize what they've lost and the things that they will be losing in the future. Congressman, I want to play uh, something that Nancy Pelosi said uh, last week. Uh, she she uh, insinuated that possibly some congressmen may have known about all of this January 6th stuff beforehand. Mm -hmm. I want you just to remind our viewers, here's what she said. If in fact it is found that members of Congress were accomplices to this insurrection, if they aided and abetted the crime, there may have to be actions taken beyond the Congress and, and uh, in terms of prosecution for that. What did you make of those comments? Did, did you or any congressman you know have any warning this was going to take place? Uh, any help for the rioters, as she is suggesting? No, I, I was not aware of it at all. Uh, I've encouraged peaceful protests just from start to finish. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be censured, supposedly, because uh, I was encouraging violence. That is an absolute lie. And anybody that votes for that is voting for a lie. But uh, as far as the tours, uh, I've been slandered and libeled by some of the uh, lamestream media who just figured, well, I must have been, I give a lot of tours, I must have been somebody that gave a tour the night before. Uh, there was no evidence of that. In fact, the truth is, since uh, Speaker Pelosi shut down the Capitol to allowing any tours, uh, I don't know, what, whenever that was, March, whenever, I haven't given any tours 
for months and months. I didn't know anybody was able to do that. Uh, but uh, still, the allegations, they come. I, I was not aware that anybody yeah. did that. There is a big looming question about Nancy Pelosi uh, that we've reported at JustTheNews.com, John Solomon reporting. Uh, one of the key questions is, what did Nancy Pelosi know exactly? What did House leadership know about the, the riot beforehand uh, based on the fact that apparently uh, the, the sergeant at arms was informed and there were other people that knew about something being take, possibly taking place beforehand? What's your, what's your reaction to that? Well, the sergeant at arms reports directly to the speaker. And I've not been a fan of this sergeant at arms. He's been there for a while. Uh, he was more concerned about cars lined up straight than he was the safety of the people under his protection. And I told him as much. But uh, we do need to know what Nancy Pelosi knew and when she knew it. Um, we're told that when the sergeant at arms was asked about uh, bringing in National Guard, he, he said the optics would not be good. He was, again, it, it's been true the whole time he's been Sergeant-at-Arms. He's more concerned about optics than he was people's safety. Congressman, I can't imagine that the, the House leadership wouldn't have gotten wind of this, if not right from the Sergeant-at-Arms, uh, at least the scuttlebutt on the Hill. I mean, how, how do you not get wind of something like that? Well, and everybody is... Believe it or not, everybody that works there at the pleasure of the speaker is afraid of the speaker. They tell her everything. They would not want to hold anything back from her because she can be rather uh, difficult, uh, to say the least, uh, if you have not been you know, forthcoming about potential threats. So we still come back to the question, what did Nancy Pelosi know and when did she know it? Did she put the capital at risk by failing to protect it properly? I, I mean, there. It, I'll just leave it there. There's yeah. a lot of questions yeah. that got to be asked. A lot of questions. By the way, the new security measures at the Capitol, I know you're not a fan of them. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what you now have to go through and some other House members have to go through. There's increased uh, security there at the Capitol to get on the House floor, or is it not just the House floor? And, and, and what have uh, you've registered? a complaint or you're just uh, not not a big fan of it for sure well it's because it's unconstitutional to detain anybody on their way into a session of congress and that was put there back uh, in the constitution originally and back then you know members of congress have to travel across other people's states or through other cities and knowing how somebody uh, might vote on something you didn't want them to vote for against, then you might detain them. So they put that in the Constitution. You can't detain anybody. Uh, so she had metal detectors put up. Uh, and here's what it comes back to. Nancy Pelosi was whisked out of harm's way when those people broke into the cap and breached security. So she was safe. She has a big entourage that protect her. She was whisked to safety. The people there on the floor didn't have but a handful of uh, uh, Capitol Police there to protect them. And uh, we do have a Second Amendment, and members of Congress should be allowed, those of us that don't have an entourage like Nancy Pelosi of guards, uh, we don't have the big bulletproof suburban, all that kind of thing. Right. We're just on right. our own. And so what Pelosi is decreeing is... Yep. 
I'll, whether she wants to admit it or not, is I want my members as vulnerable as they can be on the House floor. When I'm whisked to safety, yeah. I'm not going to let them protect themselves. Congressman Gomert, love to get you back on the show. Uh, really appreciate all your time and insight. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Congressman Gomert uh, there. Uh, tough days, but um, he'll get through, just like many millions of Americans. Tommy Laren from Fox Nation, back with us on the show after this. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. And welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. The State of America today, 25,000-plus National Guard in Washington, D.C., and a topsy-turvy culture, upside down. If you look up 180 in the dictionary, guess what comes up? A picture of America, guaranteed. Uh, let's bring in Tommy Lahren, uh, host of the TV show Final Thoughts on Fox Nation. Tommy, great to have you back on the show. Appreciate you being here. It's good to be here. You know, just an average week, nothing exciting going on. I'm so glad it's a slow news cycle, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, it's just Biden with nobody at his inauguration, which is like his rallies. Uh, hey, Tommy, uh, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Biden could be like the asterisk president. You know, everybody, the liberals were so fond of saying hashtag not my president. Uh, but, but maybe it's now time to say President Joe Biden and put the asterisk next to him. I, I wonder how much he can really get... Uh, unity going here in America today? You know, I've always said it's going to be a President Joe Biden, but it's really going to be a President Kamala Harris. And you can tell from some of their early agenda items. I mean, this is the socialist wish list. In fact, the LA Times came out and surprisingly so almost criticized what is going to be the incoming administration for making America California again. And as someone who lived in California for several several years, I can tell you, we don't want to California our America. But uh, I think that's going to be the pathway forward. The left just keeps getting further left. They want unity, but really what they want is compliance and really what they want is control. And that's why so many of us are so nervous about an incoming administration. It's not just that we wanted President Trump and we don't get him. It's that we're terrified of what our country is going to turn into under this kind of administration and this kind of a, a Congress. It's terrifying. Well, and then you talk about terrifying and compliance and control. And then here we are with censorship and what's happening on Twitter and social media. And what's the concern for it feels like Trump supporters are like blacklisted. I mean, we were talking to Alan Dershowitz the other day and and he said, this is going to be worse than McCarthyism. I mean, I mean, what's about to happen and transpire to Trump supporters could be not just dangerous, but downright uh, scary and evil, quite frankly. Yeah, well, it's also a way to keep us off the public forum. It's a way to get mm -hmm. us to sit down, to be quiet, to intimidate us. And, you know, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. For so long, all the folks on the left told us if we didn't like Twitter, we should get off Twitter. And so then Parler came along, and then now the App Store doesn't carry it. Who knows if it's coming back or not? But it seems like every time we do try to take that advice and have some ownership, have our own place for a free-flowing conversation, then the left finds a way to drown that out as well. And it's an intimidation tactic. It's a way of saying, hey, if you go ahead and try to create something on your own, if you go ahead and try to step out of our box and under our out of under our control, then we're going to find a way to cancel you and we're going to just strangulate you at every 
turn we can. And that's why so many conservatives are so upset. You know, there's not a lot of conservatives that have a platform on mainstream media. There are only a few of us. And so there are so many Americans that felt like these social media platforms were the only way to get their voice heard, the only way to speak to other conservatives and have that place to have those discussions. And now they're slowly taking it away from us as well. And in fact, it's, it's speeding up. It's becoming quite rapid. But there's a lot of fear out there. Of, if we can't talk to each other and we can't express our opinions, how are we ever going to mount a great challenge for the midterms or to take back the White House? It's a very helpless feeling. No, it's true, Tommy. And, you know, you have a robust following on Twitter. I'm being I mean, I'm being uh, I'm, I'm taking it back, actually, more than robust. But what about you on Twitter? I mean, do you plan to quit Twitter? I mean, what do conservatives, high-profile conservatives like yourself do? You want to reach an audience, but you also don't want to necessarily support Twitter and what they're doing. How do you handle that? Sure. Well, I have lost over the last week, I've lost over 100,000 followers, whether wow. that was folks that deleted their Twitter or whether that was the purge that, you know, we've all been discussing. Either way, I've got, you know, 1.6. So I still have that voice out there. And a lot of folks I know are boycotting Twitter. They don't want to be on it. And it's understandable. But for me, I'm not going to give up an inch of a place that I still have a voice. So I'm going to keep talking for as long as I can until they deplatform me. The same thing goes with Facebook and Instagram. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's difficult. You don't want to support that company. But on the other hand, it's also a way to still connect with those Trump supporters, those conservatives out there that really need voices like yours and mine out there speaking the truth, talking about freedom, picking up where Donald Trump left off and keeping that legacy alive. So yeah. unfortunately, it's kind of the best option we have right now is to just keep it up for as long as we can until we no longer have a voice on those platforms. And then we're going to have to get creative. For sure. Hey, Tommy, I want to ask you about the future of the Republican Party. Where is this party going exactly? Uh, you know, you've got Nikki Haley starting her own uh, super PAC. Uh, she's obviously, I mean, let's come on, let's just let the cat out of the back. You know, she, we know she's going to run uh, and there's going to be others that are going to run. Where does Trump fit in here? Where does Nikki Haley, where do others fit in? Where, where is this party going exactly, Tommy? I think that a lot of the Republicans would like to believe that if they don't have a Donald Trump in the White House or a Donald Trump at the helm or a Donald Trump on social media, that somehow Donald Trump will just go away, that it's going to go back to business as usual. We will never be able to go back to business as usual if we want to win an election again. We can never put up a Mitt Romney or a John McCain type of Republican and win an election. We just can't. And yes, it might seem like we don't have our President Trump anymore. We've lost a great advocate, but his support is still alive and well. In fact, it might even be growing because he was that voice for the forgotten Americans, the silent majority. And now we're being quite literally silenced. So he's going to be a figurehead in this movement for years to come. The legacy is not over. The support is not over. And I think we'd be wise to find, if not Donald Trump, a candidate that has many of the same qualities that Donald Trump possessed for so many years and did such great things for this country. I know they're trying to destroy and ruin his legacy, but the fact of the matter is before coronavirus, this president was doing a fantastic job with our country. Mm -hmm. And even liberals owe him a debt of gratitude because he had our economy humming. So we, I, I really hope that people remember that. Yeah, for sure. As we wrap up, what's your message to conservatives uh, out there who are downcast? We just had Louis Gohmert on and, you know, Louis Gohmert's an up, 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 uh, beat guy, but he—you could tell. I mean, it was a Dr. Phil moment. I mean, he was down. He was on the psychological couch. He was—he was bummed. Uh, well, what do you tell the bummed conservatives today that are just, not, if not willing to raise the white flag and throw in the towel? Uh, you know, just—they're they're down right now. What do, what do you tell them? 
we've been here before, maybe not as bad as it is now, but we've been here before when we had a President Obama elected, and that was the really the birth of the Tea Party movement. So we're going to have to dig in. It's not over. This country is too great to stop fighting for it. Our values are too great to abandon. I know it feels helpless and hopeless, but right now we have to dig deeper because our voices are more important than ever. So I would just encourage everybody to keep the faith. We've been here before, and we're not going to be put through anything that we can't handle. We're just going to have to get a little tougher. Tommy Laren, host of Final Thoughts on Fox Nation. Always great to see you. Tommy, we've known each other a while now, so I'm really glad we could reconnect again. Absolutely. You're going to have to come out to Nashville, Tennessee. We're open here. we got a lot of great conservatives. So if you need a break from that beltway, come on out to Nashville. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm not, I'll, I'll, I won't bring the mask. I won't bring the mask. Okay. All right. Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, Tommy Laren there. Uh, once again, final thoughts on Fox Nation. When we come uh, back, Alfredo Ortiz, the president and CEO of Job Creators Network, talking about the Biden administration coming up and their agenda. Uh, I've got two words, and it's hyphenated. Oy Gavolt. back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Joe Biden's going to be president on Wednesday, January 20th. I know conservatives are taking spelling salts. I get it. Uh, let's get to a J JTN. That's what we call ourselves. <laughs> Just the news. Uh, Just the news headline. Look at this. Big plans. Team Biden sets out ambitious policy package for the first 10 days in office. I'll read this. Uh, this is by Joseph Curl over Just the News. On day one, Biden will rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement, extend a freeze on federal student loan payments, overturn Trump's ban on travel to the U.S. from several majority Muslim countries, and issue a 100-day masking challenge that will impose new mandates requiring masks on federal property and for interstate transportation. He'll also watch the water cooler every day, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. No, he won't do that. That's not in the article. But let's bring in Alfredo Ortiz. President and CEO of Job Creators Network. Uh, Alfredo, great to see you, sir. Hey, David, thank you for having me. By the way, one thing on that list is, I, as I look, this $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package, COVID package, economic package, call it whatever you want. Uh, my guess is you're taking, what, smelling salts at this point when you see that? Man, I, I have to tell you, David, look, I mean, you know, to be honest, I probably break that up, most of that, into kind of the good, the not so good, and the really super ugly. Mm. Um, I mean, when you look at that, I'm going to start backwards and work with the, the really super ugly. First of all, yeah. you know, the $15 federal minimum wage, David, I mean, talking about disastrous, small business owners are already literally on, on the very edge of closing thousands and tens of thousands of small businesses across the country. And now to have this federal minimum wage of $15 per hour mandated, I mean, talking about tone deaf to the needs of small business owners, it's the last thing that they need is to double their labor costs. Uh, but that's exactly what they want to do. So that's, that's one of the really big uglies. And then you take the $350 billion of state and local aid, another $170 billion for schools. I mean, that just sounds like a teacher union payoff as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those right there alone should just give you such great pause. And then the, what I call the not so good is the um, $1,600 uh, 
uh, you know, checks added onto, uh, excuse me, the $1,400 checks added onto the $600 that are already going out or have gone out. Um, it's just not targeted. I mean, when you saw in April, for example, of 2020, uh, savings rates hit 33%, record highs. I mean, people are not spending the money and it's just not a targeted enough effort. So we, we just don't really like that idea. We don't like those checks going out. Um, the extension of the unemployment benefits. Look, we were there also. We also know what's happening with that and wh what happened before. People are just not incented to work. Even Bill Gates said you can't take away those incentives to work um, by doing that. So we need to keep making sure that people are available to, for, you know, to produce the goods and services that we consume as an economy. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you know, the, the last one really is the, um, you know, like I said, the moratorium. Um, while we understand why that's necessary in some cases, and this is one where we go, we don't love it, but we can kind of accept it for now, you know, especially in the lower income folks that are really being hit hard, is you really take away the incentive for landowners and for creation of you know, better housing and more housing that's really needed. So, um, and then the good, just to be fair, um, we like the expansion of the earned income tax credit. While it has its issues with some tweaks, I think it's probably one of the most effective and efficient government programs that are out there just not being used enough. We actually did a quick research study, David, on this one that literally took the exact same uh, program and just renamed it the, the Working Americans Credit. And it went from 20% of the American or, or of those surveyed thinking that it applied to them to 80%. We really should try to leverage that. And we do actually support that in, right. as part of that, that Biden plan. But, you know, frankly, outside of that, um, you know, oh, and obviously the, the more money for vaccines for COVID, we obviously need to get more people, uh, you know, with those vaccines in their arms, because that's actually going to help open up society and our economy. Right. There are certain things, Alfredo, clearly that I think will be no brainers for a lot of folks, the, the vaccine money. And unless Republicans at this point, I got to tell you, they got no credibility on spending issues at this point. You know, they, I mean, right. I yeah. mean, they, that train, unfortunately, I know everybody wants to rein it back in, but they're kind of letting it leave the station. Uh, what about the, the minimum wage specifically? Uh, how how, how I know you say it's majorly problematic, but it hasn't been raised in what, about 10 years or so? I mean, do you think there is, there is a support at all on Capitol Hill for some sort of increase in the minimum wage? Well, well, I, I think, honestly, I think the idea is that we've got to let that be a state-by-state -state issue. Uh, first mm -hmm. of all, I don't think you need the federal minimum wage. You don't need the federal mandate. And quite frankly, you, you allow the economy, when you have a robust economy, look what, what, what happened. We had record wage increases uh, pre-COVID. Um, you know, across the board, across every single demographic group. And so really, you know, when you have a growing economy, a robust economy, that in of itself is going to force it. Um, I mean, you see some entry-level bank teller positions were being offered at $20 an hour. So, you know, we, we just don't believe that you need the federally mandated uh, minimum wage on this one. I think you leave it state by state and allow that to happen at that level. But again, I think the economy itself, you get a robust economy and you get people going, um, that's how you create the job creation, and that's how you actually get wage wage increases. And so, um, we're just not we're just not fans of that. We just don't think it's it's needed. And by the way, David, I just want to point out something. Mm -hmm. You notice that the Democrats aren't even talking about how they would even remotely pay for that because I think right. they just don't really care about how they're going to pay for any of their social programs because they're pushing something that's called modern monetary theory. It's the idea that you can just keep on printing money for all of the social programs, and there's no such thing as debtor deficit. And there's no surprise that Janet Yellen was was put up for sec uh, Treasury Secretary because while she hasn't explicitly supported it, 
when you look at what she talks in her writings, she definitely is supportive of the theory of, of, of this modern monetary theory, and it's very, very concerning. So you're suggesting that that, that could be a real contentious issue at her, at her uh, Senate confirmation hearing, I would think. Well, I certainly hope they bring that up because that is literally going to be, um, I, I believe, how the Democrats, and you look at AOC and Bernie Sanders, they completely are pushing that. They basically say, look, we don't need to worry about how to pay for this stuff because we can just keep printing the money. And again, this is literally the beginning of socialism that we all have been fearing yeah. uh, would happen. We're, we're going to start seeing it right away. Yeah. I've got about 30 seconds left or so, but I want to get your take on what the Pelosi and Schumer have been trying to get all along in this COVID bill, uh, the state and local government money, uh, <laughs> billions of dollars. And look, here they are. Uh, Biden's president, uh, this this is where they're going to make their move. You know it. And then the question becomes, yep. what in the world, where's this money going to go to? What is What does that mean, air quote, billions of dollars for state and local governments? Three, $350 billion, David. I mean, unbelievable. And that's all basically going to, you know, these poorly run, inefficient, uh, you know, blue states, basically, um, that, that really were in major trouble before COVID. And this is just a nice way of paying them all off. And quite frankly, it's just disastrous yeah. and, and so unfair for those states that really did a great job of managing their budgets and you know had surpluses and whatnot. It, right. It's just something that we obviously dread. Alfredo Ortiz, president and CEO of Job Creators Network, which we can see behind you. Don't think we can't, by the way. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Jobcreatorsnetwork.com, go there. <laughs> All right, Alfredo, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. <laughs> when we come back, national security issues, right-wing extremism, back in a moment. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, Capitol obviously locked down, National Mall locked down. It's uh, all about inauguration week, uh, whether or not, uh, at least according to federal officials, concerned about their concern about right wing extremism, uh, domestic terrorism. And look, this is the shot outside uh, the United States Capitol. Are you kidding me? What is this? And we, as we said at the top of the show, we are in the district of Afghanistan this week. It is in same. Let's bring in Jeffrey Treisman, Assistant Professor of National Security at the University of New Haven. He's been on our show last week. Love to have him back. Hey, uh, Jeffrey, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. David, my pleasure. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, domestic terrorism as it relates to the kind of the right wing extremism. You've got the left wing extremism. Kind of take us through kind of both ideologies and, and the difference or is there any common denominator here? Well, the common denominator, David, is that they both accept the use of political violence to change government policies or to somehow change and influence the government in some manner. Uh, what is the difference between them is right-wing extremism we refer to as being reactionary. So they're reacting to change. They're trying to resist change. And that, that change can be certainly uh, changes to Second Amendment gun rights, changes in terms of the demographics of the United States. Left-wing terrorism, on the other hand, is radical. They're actively seeking to promote change 
change uh, in the United States. And so that could be the extension of civil liberties to certain minorities or the involvement in political partip uh, participation of certain groups. So that's the main difference between them, but they both embrace and accept political violence to change politics and policies of the government. Jeffrey, it seems to me though, and not that this is a segment on the media, but the media seems to be more apt to embrace the left wing uh, violence, or at least give that a pass, uh, because it's done for a just cause, if you will. And I, I think that's some of the concern by conservatives out there. Uh, and you know what, David? I share that concern as an independent scholar. I think that's that's wrong. I mean, we always have to remember the pithy statement of one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Uh, and so as counter-terrorist experts, we have to be very careful of both the left and both the right. Uh, and so it's a very astute point indeed. Yeah, uh, it makes me think of Nelson Mandela. You know, there were a lot of folks that thought at the time Nelson Mandela obviously went to jail and, and it was a whole situation as it relates, it relates to he had to be, you know, forced into doing uh, acts that would be considered terrorism back then. But indeed, he did it for a just cause. So it, it feels a little similar to that. But Great point. Great yeah. Point. Um, all right. So let's talk. Let me put up a, a YouGov survey out, out there, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and, and this talks about what Americans basically see as it relates to right wing and left wing um, extremism. They're concerned about both. But if you go into these numbers and I'm not going to geek out, but over 60 percent basically of Americans are concerned about right wing extremism and roughly about 54 percent of Americans are concerned about left wing extre extremism. I'm wondering, I understand right wing extremism is getting the headlines now, but where, where are we at on danger levels on, on both of these? I think the, this uh, survey is actually quite astute in that, you know, as Americans, we need to be indeed concerned about lo both left and right wing extremism and terrorism. Uh, in terms of the danger, I think it's uh, pretty clear that it is, unfortunately, at this point, right wing extremism uh, emanating from, let's say, white supremacist, anti-Semitic beliefs uh, and even anti-government activists, and largely because they are sometimes former military, former police. They understand the tactics, the techniques and protocols of security services and agencies. They understand how to uh, uh, create violence and, and you do so effectively. Uh, we've seen some of the results as well that one study shows that 80% of law enforcement killed in the line of duty uh, were actually uh, at the hands of someone affiliated in some capacity with the right. Uh, so I think while we do have to be attuned to both left and right-wing extremism, and I think that survey is spot on, uh, right now right-wing extremism is obviously, for good reason, uh, captured national headlines and the, uh, uh, the policies of the federal government. You know, there, there's a lockdown, as you know, in Washington, D.C. this this week. Uh, how concerned uh, before I get to the concern portion of it, my, the, I wonder how concerted of an effort this is in terms of, oh, excuse me, organizational here on the right. I mean, you know, is this a, just a bunch of, uh, you know, punks living in, uh, you know, their mom's basement uh, watching Star Trek reruns and, and, you know, on the dark web or not even the dark web, but just out there in Snapchat land or whatever it is? Um, or is, is it much more intricate than that? Excellent question, and it's a very important question, especially for counterterrorism experts. Uh, the answer is all of the above. Uh, there are certainly the punks, the thugs that are sitting in mom's basement, uh, engaging on social media, uh, engaging in hateful ideologies. But we also see those that are uh, very much attuned in terms of how to leverage political violence, actually how to attack the United States government. They're actively sharing manuals on how to uh, engage in violence uh, and sabotage the United States government. Uh, and in fact, even more con concern is we've uh, had 
about a young man associated with the uh, uh, neo-Nazi party in Georgia actually arrested recently for possessing a biological agent ricin. Uh, so these individuals are certainly motivated on one end uh, to uh, very coherently attack the United States. But on the other hand, we do certainly have these hateful thugs uh, sitting in their basement just being active on social media. You know, Jeffrey, when it comes to January 6th, I wonder if a situation like that, a big uh, this MAGA rally, uh, then it became a march. I wonder if that doesn't attract not just the right-wing crazies, but the left-wing crazies. I mean, we had a left-wing uh, anarchist, uh, John Sullivan, out in Utah arrested. I'm sure there was more. I just wonder if they're not just attracted, you know, like a, a to, to all the craziness that goes on. I wonder if that's just not a, a feeding ground for all of this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately terrorism is a cesspool of radicalization. Uh, and some of these individuals might have just been there uh, and followed the crowd uh, innocently enough, if you will, not fully aware of the repercussions, what they were doing by entering the Capitol. And then you certainly have those groups, again, that were very coherent and intent on attacking the Capitol in some manner. So we're going to see both of these individuals, but it certainly applies to the left as well. A lot of these individuals associated with left-wing extremism and left-wing terrorism kind of getting wrapped up into the moment. Uh, uh, and achieve their own political objectives, whatever they may be. You concerned about left-wing terrorism as well, I'm assuming, though. I am. I am. Not to the extent of right-wing extremism at this moment for obvious reasons, but we are seeing an alarming trend in left-wing terrorism where they're starting to turn to lethal force to achieve their objectives. I mean, we can think about the anarchists in Ohio who wanted to explode and detonate a, a bridge in Ohio. We can think of the activists in Oregon who actually shot a, counter, a Trump a counter-protester and killed them. Uh, and then, of course, we have the individual in Washington who tried to uh, blow up the uh, ICE detention facility uh, in Washington. So we're starting to see this trend, and it's very alarming indeed. Jeffrey Treisman, really appreciate your insight. Love to get you back on. It's just a, you're an important voice at a very important time in America's history. Thank you so much. My pleasure, David. Thank you. All right, Jeffrey Treisman there. Uh, we'll definitely have him back. Madison, we'll get him back, won't we? All right, do we have a cell? And eh, it's a separate issue. We'll, we'll talk about it off, uh, off camera. Uh, coming up, the, the last sip, it's kind of something... Uh, you know, that I wanted to share with you because I've gotten a lot of emails about whether or not Joe Biden is the asterisk president. I know it's controversial. We'll talk about it in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the last sip, everybody. Oh, I'm sorry. Welcome back to the water cooler. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. <laughs> Time for the last sip. Hey, uh, I want to put up a tweet uh, that uh, I wrote. Thank you very much. Uh, I am giving courtesy to myself here. Uh, this is what I said uh, today. The fervent anti-Trump crowd was fond of saying, hashtag not my president. Well, what will MAGA say about Joe Biden? Should he have an asterisk, ne an asterisk next to his name? President Joe Biden asterisk? In other words, the asterisk denotes questionable title. Will, he'll, will he be the asterisk president? Would that be good for the country? That is a question uh, that I wanted some answers to, and here are some of the responses out there, and uh, some of them are pretty uh, interesting. One said, uh, and I'll just uh, read these through. This is from Daniel. He says, we can call him 
his fraudulency, similar to President Rutherford uh, Hayes' time in office. That's from Daniel. We have more. This is from Ludicrous One. Your fraudulent. Your fraudulency, he, uh, Ludacris says. Here's Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen says, I wish him no ill, will, but I cannot go against my heart and the information I have seen. So Biden is now the president of a stolen election. I pray for our country. Uh, and then there is TKTT. I didn't vote for him, but I will address him as president. I am a veteran. I don't believe in disrespecting him. I have my opinions, which I will keep to myself in conversation regarding him. Well, except for occasional snarky Twitter comments. <laughs> I like that. This is from a Madam Elect President. He, uh, she says, hashtag not my president 46. I thought that was pretty creative. Uh, Janet uh, says this. Uh, let's put up Janet. He is hashtag not my president. He's nobody's president because election fraud renders this election null and void. And then there is uh, Linda, who says, doubt Biden would be president for long due to dementia. Huh, hilarious. Uh, uh, Linda. Oh, I, I love this one uh, from Nettie Spaghetti. Shut up, talking to me. You make such a fool of yourself every single day. Hey, thanks, Nettie Spaghetti. I appreciate that. Nice name, by the way. Uh, and then Tron says, Trump may be the last American president in my lifetime. I see no one but leftists and GOP cowards at this point. Downfall of a nation, religious apostasy, moral awfulness, political anarchy. It's here. Finally, uh, let's just put one last one. Uh, John says you are either a dullard, <laughs> an abject fool, or both. Hey, I may be both, actually. Uh, listen, if you've got some comments you want to send our way, send them to the water cooler at justthenews.com. Once again, uh, there it is at the bottom of the screen, the water cooler at justthenews.com. We'll read them on the air. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, time to wrap up the show by going to the big JW. I don't know. I call him that. Why am I calling him that? Oh, because his name is Joe Weber uh, with JustTheNews.com, uh, senior uh, news editor there. Hey, Joe, always good to see you. I'm sorry I called you JW. I'm sure no one calls you that. Call me at any time. <laughs> okay. What's going on over there on the site? What do people need to uh, get up to speed on it over there? Yeah, got a throwback name for you, Keystone Pipeline. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was an effort uh, by um, U.S. tried to get Canadian crude oil all the way down to uh, Gulf state um, refineries in an effort to make the United States more energy independent. Uh, but during the Obama administration, that got mired in a lot of uh, environmental protection agency um, laws and rules and activists trying to hold that up. Well, the Canadian Broadcasting Company uh, reports today that um, President Biden, as part of his, perhaps as early as his first day, will um, repeal the Keystone Pipeline uh, permit, the presidential permit. And if you remember, uh, President, uh, I mean, Vice President Biden then uh, was vice president in the Obama administration when all this was going on. So this is all part of his climate uh, change uh, initiative that we see. Yeah, Joe, of, go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Joe. Keep going. Yeah, I want to hear more. A couple other things that are pretty interesting today. Uh, there was a report with the FBI uh, reportedly vetting all, all 25,000 National Guardsmen who were here to um, protect the, um, the U.S. 
um, during the inauguration. And some really good reporting by uh, our security reporter, Susan Katz-Keating, uh, talked to some officials and said, yeah, that's true, but you know what, this is really sort of a normal process. Uh, nothing extraordinary. And this kind of comes on the heels of a report, a sort of breathless report earlier, uh, I guess this weekend, but a gentleman named Wesley Bieber, who was a contractor who went across um, security lines with a pass that he thought that would work for him. It didn't, he had some guns there. He said it was a big mistake, but again, a lot of breathless reporting by the name, mainstream media on a couple stories that uh, really didn't turn out to be as you know, dramatic yeah. as originally reported, yeah. Well, Joe Weber, appreciate your time, uh, your efforts, and the whole team over there. Uh, once again, justthenews.com is where they can check it all out. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you, David. All right. Bye -bye. That is, uh, don't, look, don't look him up as JW. It's just Joe Weber. Uh, I don't say just Joe Weber. Anyhow, Joe Weber, justthenews.com. Tomorrow on the big show, uh, Brian Babin, the congressman from Texas, uh, will be here. And also, Pastor Brian Gibson. He's been on the show before. He's now in hiding after January 6th, he didn't do anything wrong, but the leftists are after him. Wait till we talk to him about that. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good week.